0: Hey there, welcome to another edition of Close to the Vest. My name is Arthur Ettinger, and I am really, really excited today. We have a super special guest today in the studio, Susanna Ludwig. Susanna, thank you so much for coming.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So we, today is a great topic. Today is, we're talking about the benefits of a relationship coach, and that's you. That is me. And uh, so... Why don't you just kind of jump in? I know you have a great, you know, great background, great resume. What is a relationship coach?
1: That is such a good question. And um, there's a lot of different ways I could define what I do as a coach, but I would say overall what I do is work with people, mostly women, and I do work with some men, but primarily my clients are women who want to be in a happier, healthier relationship. Um, And women come to me at all different stages. Sometimes they come when they're having trouble in their relationship as it is. Sometimes they come when they're about to go through a divorce or are going through a divorce and want to figure out how to make it a happier, healthier divorce. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes they come when they've just gotten divorced or left a relationship and they want to start dating and they feel overwhelmed or they want help and support with their dating um, and, it, and in any of those cases, I love working with them and I love helping them envision what they really want in their next relationship and how they can go after having it.
0: Sure. And can you help the audience understand, you know, maybe because there's a lot of people out there that would benefit tremendously. Uh, I I can just think off the top of my head, some clients mm. that I have. Yep. And um, but Help the audience understand the difference, let's say, uh, you versus, let's say, just like a therapist.
1: Okay. So the major difference between what I do and therapy, coaching is similar to therapy in that we definitely talk about emotional things and how we got to where we are emotionally and a little bit about our backgrounds and what brought us to where we are. But we sort of talk about that and then leave that in the past. So. And we take where we are today and figure out, okay, so this is what brought you to where you are, but what can you actually do now to shift your history, to shift your future? What actions can you take? So it's really much more action oriented. Um, And also the difference between coaching, at least the way that I do it, um, and therapy is that I'm available to my clients 24 seven. So Mm -hmm. we talk on the phone or on zoom um, every week or every other week, whichever works for them. But also if they text me in between, I'm available to them whenever they need. So that is sort of like wrapped That's up into the bubble. That's scary thought
0: right there, 24-7.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I don't answer my phone in the middle of right. the night, but like if somebody was really in crisis, sure. which sometimes, as you know, when no, you're- this
0: is key. This you is, know, people yeah.
1: do need support. So
0: not only are you helping them, but you're helping people like me, you know? <laughs> That's true. I, I do. I get those text messages yeah. in the middle of the night. I have this conversation on a regular basis, Yeah. That, you know, and- those clients know exactly who they are and uh, it would be good to have somebody else to kind of, let's say, uh, shield those text messages.
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, I would be, I'm happy to, because I feel like um, a a lot of times people just want to be heard and they want to feel like they're someone who has their back, but also can envision their next stage of life better than they can. So that's the part that I really love is that I hold the space for them to have a new life, have a great new life. I really, I believe that they will have it. I believe everybody can have it. And it's my job to help them get there.
0: Awesome. So I know you have really impressive uh, resume. I know you've been trained by Gabby Bernstein. I know you have mediation training. Can you just, you know, go into a little bit of your background? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So I, uh, before I became a coach, I was a filmmaker for 25 years, documentary filmmaker, and I had a great, um, uh, time as a filmmaker and I, I loved it. Um, but I, but for me, the part of producing that was the best part of my job was always the people was always working with people and helping them figure out who they were, what were the stories they wanted to tell and how could they tell them? And after a while, for various reasons, producing just became kind of, um, too much for me physically. I have a little bit of a health condition and I just couldn't, uh, deal with the 14 hour days on set anymore. Right. It was just too hard. So I knew I needed a transition and I spent a lot of time thinking about what do I really want? And I realized what I really wanted was to help people. And it just so happened awesome. that this, at the same time that that happened um, towards the end of my filmmaking uh, producing career, I got divorced myself. Yep. And fast forward a few years after my divorce, um, a friend called me one day and said, Can you help my friend who's going through a divorce very similar to yours? Just talk to her and give her some advice. So I started talking to this woman once a week on the phone and helping her through her various questions and problems. And at the end of every session, she would cry. And she would say, Susanna, you have no idea how much you're saving my life. I
0: love that. I had no idea this story. This is amazing.
1: <laughs> it was pretty great. And before I knew it, she referred five people to me. Wow. And before I even was trained, I was coaching five these five yeah. women. And also, when I, I realized that when I would hang up with them, I would feel... Really excited, like excited for myself that I knew I was doing something for them, but even more excited for them that I could see the transformation that they were having. I could see the hope that they started having and it felt really, really good. And so it just sort of all came together at the same time. I decided to become a coach. I thought about becoming a mediator. I did mediation training I decided that I didn't only want to work on relationships that's primarily what I do but I also help people who are in career transition as well. Sure. So I decided to move away from being a mediator also because the other thing I realized is that um in terms of mediation as a business, it's much easier to make a living as a mediator if you're also an attorney. Right. which I was not going to go back to law school. So, um I decided that becoming Smart. a coach. <laughs> well, I mean, If I was younger, I would have maybe done that, but, um, but I decided becoming a coach felt better and also kind of allowed me to widen my scope a little bit. And so I became a coach and it's been, it's been amazing.
0: Awesome. So, and, um, if you don't mind, I just would love to just kind of dive a little deeper. You mentioned, uh, the divorce and I know for me, you know, it's been very helpful uh, You know, there is a silver lining uh, having, you know, gone through it. It's not like I woke up and said, I want to go get divorced. So it could be a learning exercise for, <laughs> you know, I wasn't signing up for that. That's right. But at the end of the day, it's made me not only a better dad and a better partner, but also what I think is, you know, a, a much better family law attorney. Yes. So I I have to imagine that your experience Uh, helps you in your profession.
1: I definitely think it does. And oftentimes one of the other differences between coaching and therapy is that um, while I would say I 90% of the time do, you know, my sessions are almost always about the client, but in coaching, it's okay to talk about your own experience and how, what you've gone through um, might affect or help, help the, the other person, which typically in a therapeutic setting, people don't, therapists don't really talk about themselves very much, but it is helpful. It is useful because a lot of times when my clients are asking me questions about anything, I sometimes can say, yeah, I remember when I was dating, I went on a million dates before I met my fiance. And this is some of the things that I went through and it, and it, it helps to Mm -hmm. kind of build the trust and build the relationship in that way.
0: Yeah, I totally get that. So To that point, you know, because it's not all like, like you said, it's not all divorce clients and, you know, I can't tell you how many times and I'm proud to say it, uh, I've turned away people leave here. You're not ready for divorce. Yeah. You know, go on a date, go on a vacation, you know, figure out, well, you know, work on those cracks or go do what you were doing before the children showed up. You know, what do you do and how do you help those people, uh, you know, to kind of foster their relationships?
1: Well, before I say that, I just want to acknowledge you for a minute and uh-huh. say that how you even saying that shows how what an amazing human being you are, because a lot so of nice. people in your position would like be into pushing people further along in their divorce right. to make money or who knows, you know, and it just shows your heart. So I just want to state that because I think it's needs to be said, but, um,
0: I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I really always focus on what do people want, you know, and how do they really feel? People usually know in their gut when they're ready to leave their marriage. They know, I always say they have a little voice in the back of their head. That's kind of quietly whispering to them about their marriage. And then one day that voice starts yelling, Mm -hmm. like, get out, get out. It's time to get out. And they know if they're listening to themselves When, if they're feeling vague about it or they're not sure, it's usually for one of two reasons. Either A, they're really scared or or B, maybe there's something else to work on. And if they're hesitating with me, I will explore with them if it's what they want to, you know, go on some more dates, work on some, I give them some communication exercises, work on being more communicative about sex. Like there's all different things that I sort of encourage them to do. To make sure that they've done everything they can do before they get to the point of walking away. If they feel like they have done everything they they can do, then I might encourage them to leave. Because, again, it's all in the vision of having the best life you can have. Mm-hmm. And your best life might mean getting divorced.
0: Sure. It makes so much sense. Yeah. And so... Like the transition, you talk about job transition. All of this to me is transition, one in the same. hundred percent. And a lot of times you have a situation where somebody is out of the workforce for a really long time for whatever reason and- My guess is there's a lot, you know, you can overlap with your help for that person, whether it's they were completely in the dark in their finances. And now there's two homes that have to be supported on the one income. And that person uh, has to (laughs) go get a job to just just to add to the, you know, the combined income. And also they just it's also just therapeutic to have a reason to wake up. The kids are in school full time to go get a job, you know, put uh, a pair of pants on and they're sad for uh, a host of different reasons. Now they can kind of, you know, focus their energies on something else other than the family that they have been, you know, dealing with.
1: And I think there's even another piece, I'll take it even one step further, which is, I think that a lot of times for women who are in that situation, and it's mostly women, although sometimes men, but You know, they have sort of out of habit, stopped thinking about themselves as their own individual being who has wants and desires. Mm -hmm. So pushing them towards finding work is one step towards a greater self-knowing, which is important in order for them to meet somebody else eventually, um, to, um, to get into another long-term, happy, healthy relationship, to not have the same relationship pitfalls they had the last time. Um, one of the things I always suggest is that people date themselves. That's great. And they get to know who they are and what they really want. Because a lot of times when we do have jobs or even if we're stay-at-home moms, like we're so busy, we forget. Oh, right. I like to go to the theater. I'll, mm-hmm. I always remember this one funny story. When I turned, uh, I have to remember which birthday it was, maybe 42. Two, I had been divorced two years and my ex-husband wasn't big a fan of musicals and I love musicals. And um, I went with six girlfriends to see Bring It On, the cheerleading musical.
0: That's so funny. And I
1: cried through the entire thing and my friends were like, why are you crying? And I'm like, because I'm in my joy right now. This is is so joyful. And I think that that's important for people, for women especially, to identify what makes them happy. Sure. And set up their life that way.
0: That's awesome. Um, What's your favorite musical?
1: I mean, Hamilton's pretty remarkable, I have to say.
0: It is amazing. I mean,
1: I know that's like a cliche answer. Bring It On actually was really meaningful to me too. There was just something about that moment. It felt empowering to me.
0: So growing up, like my dad blasted everything, Rogers and Hammerstein. <laughs> so when we took a break from Frank Sinatra, who was Rogers and Hammerstein? <laughs> I so, love that. Yeah. Um, so like help like the audience understand. Yeah. You know, like what are you doing to help somebody who and it's not somebody necessarily just going through a divorce. What like how are you helping somebody, you know? figure out what they like to do, whether it's, and I'm talking professionally, a lot of people are like, you know, I joke, I tell my clients when they ask for something completely ridiculous that they expect me to deliver. And I'm like, I want to play first base for the New York Yankees. It's not happening, (laughs) you know? So how do you work with, you know, your clients to kind of get them, you know, back on track, uh, whether Putting aside, you know, personally, relationship-wise, but more professionally.
1: Um, Well, we spend a lot of time talking about, like, what do you like and what do you don't like? And what is your ideal day? Like, if you had to draw an ideal day, what it would look like. That's actually something I did even with myself when I decided to become a coach. I realized the truth is I'm kind of a homebody. I like being in my house. I like cooking. I like reading. I like being in my yoga clothes. Like, I'm just happy at home. And so I wanted a career where I could get to do the things I loved, talking to people, um, hearing about people's problems, helping them find solutions, uh, without leaving my house, without having to travel. Sure. And so I do those kinds of exercises with people. We go through in a very detailed way, what do you like and what do you don't like, and how ha- and where do you feel your best? Where do mm-hmm. you f- where are you tapping into? something that you feel like you're naturally good at. And then we started to start to brainstorm together and discuss discuss options.
0: That's great. I want to just I'm going to bounce all over the place, yeah, yeah, okay? I'm That's I'm just my ADD kicking all in, okay? Good. <laughs> so, I know there are a lot of times when, you know, and I I just mentioned this where clients uh, have certain expectations and, you know, to me, a good matrimonial lawyer manages those expectations. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you can play a real pivotal part in that Mm -hmm. where a client is expecting certain things and no matter how hard you try, Mm -hmm. it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I think a really good relationship coach uh, through the divorce can help The person understand and manage those expectations Mm -hmm. and you know no you're not going to get a hundred percent custody right no the person's not going to Siberia you know they're going to be involved and so you know are are there certain tricks and tools that you can that you that you work with with clients to to help them manage
1: well I think that I try to use what my former business partner, Rebecca used to call the Susanna way, which is being really sweet and really loving towards my clients, but also pretty direct with them at the same time. Love it. Um, she used to joke, my, my business partner used to joke that when we would get in the room with video clients that I would use my Susanna way. And, and then before we knew it, they would be telling me their life story. Sorry. I kept hitting the mic. Sorry about All that. Good. Um, but, um, It I think that is part of my approach is that I am straightforward but I'm also very um, gentle at the same time and thoughtful about what I say to them. I think what I would say in that situation, like the client you mentioned, is to really talk to them about what what the real what's what's real here. If you are in a divorce situation, you are going to have to share custody. So given that that's the reality, what would be your ideal? How can what What would be your dream scenario? I know the dream Mm -hmm. scenario is that you have sole custody. Right. That's probably not going to happen. So if you have to share custody, how could we brainstorm what you would want? And from knowing what you want, that gives you a place of empowerment to then figure out what you're willing to negotiate or not negotiate.
0: Sure. And um, I'm going to, I'm going to pivot again. Yeah. Okay. And I, I know that. Uh, you mentioned that you went through uh, the divorce process and um, I, you know, you and I connected, I was writing a book in the beginning of COVID Mm -hmm. and um, I was just checking in uh, and I don't, you know, it's not often that a matrimonial lawyer checks in with their, their old (laughs) clients and the beauty of it. And, um, you were able to share a story mm-hmm. that really I have repeated, you know, <laughs> in the last nine, 10 months, about a thousand times. Really? So wow. <laughs> I just, I think it's really amazing. You know, most, I uh, my, spe- you know, I, I, I live in the world of high conflict. Of yeah. And so it's not often that I hear this story. So if you don't mind sharing yeah. for the, uh, for the audience.
1: Sure. So, um, I am now, so I've been divorced in January. It will be, uh, let's see, uh, nine years. I've been divorced nine years. And uh, and a little more than a year ago, I got engaged to somebody else. So I'm now in a very serious, Amazing. Congrats. thank you. Yeah, thank you. Very happily engaged. I'm excited about my new life and my new fl- London family and all of it. Um, but when COVID happened, we had just actually, my fiance and I had just bought a house Um, that we hadn't closed on yet, but we were in process. COVID happened and um, I have a health condition and my family, there's some doctors in my family, they were saying to me, Susanna, you have to get out of New York because um, if COVID, if something were to happen to you with your other health condition, which has nothing to do with COVID, but does involve asthma and some digestive things and you had to go to the hospital, the hospitals in New York City cannot support you. So you have to leave. Wow. And so we started talking about, well, where could I go? What were the options? And one option was Philadelphia, which is where I'm originally from. After a whole back and forth, what we decided was for me to go to a house that my family has on Cape Cod. Um, but that house is kind of remote, mm-hmm. um, sort of in the middle of nowhere. And I did not feel comfortable going there by myself with my son, because if God forbid something happened to him or me, we would be really far from the, everybody else. And mm-hmm. it felt... So after going back and forth about it, my mother actually suggested that I invite my ex-husband to go with me.
0: That's that, you know, I didn't know that part. Yeah. That prong in and of itself is pretty amazing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I asked my ex-husband and he also, uh, I was living in Brooklyn at the time. He lives in Brooklyn also. I think he also wanted to get out of Brooklyn. Um, in the beginning we had no idea. We thought maybe we were going to go for two weeks. That's what everybody thought. Um, but it ended up that the three of us sheltered in place for 10 weeks, my son, my ex-husband Out- and I,
0: outstanding.
1: um, and, uh, I did not see my fiance or my future stepchildren during that time. We FaceTimed a lot and, um, it was, it was actually a really beautiful experience. It was very hard, um, we had not lived together in nine years. And right. so all the reasons that we got divorced are still there and were still there, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. But it was actually very, very healing because I had been doing some of my own work with my own coach and some work um, with my clients also about ideas of acceptance and ideas of knowing who is the person sitting across the table from you mm-hmm. and accepting them as they are. And that timing of that work was happening exactly at this time when I was with my ex-husband in Cape Cod. So we shifted our relationship to a much kind of deeper, even deeper healed, more healed place um, in that 10 weeks. And it was really a crazy blessing. And then when I came back to Brooklyn after that 10 weeks, I then packed up my entire house and moved to Long Island into my new house with my fiance, where my ex-husband stays at our house every weekend or almost every weekend for dinner and often overnight. In fact, he was just in it. my house two nights ago.
0: <laughs> so let's go back. We're yeah. not yes. moving on so quickly. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, and I, there's just so much here and yes. I have personal experience of this. Yes. And sometimes not so great. Sometimes really great. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many people out there that have like, the idea of a family is in so many shapes and sizes and colors. And, and so I want to just understand, like you had your spiritual journey and, you know, maturing. What would your ex say about that 10 week process? Would he say the same thing?
1: I'm not sure that he would exactly say the same thing. Um, But I think he felt good about it too. He's much quieter about right. things and, and much less spiritual than me. Um, so he might not say the exact same, but I do think that we relied on each other in a really good way. Um, I was really grateful to him. Um, I think he was grateful to have the opportunity to not be in New York at the time. Right, It allowed him to be with our son, which he wouldn't have been. Um, and I think it did get us to a new, a new place.
0: And what was it like for your son?
1: I think mostly it was amazing for my son. There were a couple moments, there were a couple moments of tension between my ex-husband and I. Right. And I think that was hard for my son to watch. Sure. Because we had really tried all these years to be really get along very well and we consciously never fought in front of him and tried really hard when we had any differences to not have him be in the middle of it. So I think he was aware of some things and said some things to me about like i i understand now why you and dad aren't married anymore wow. and um but i'm glad that we all can be together stuff like that yeah so yeah. And
0: and what about David? What uh...
1: <laughs> David, my fiance, like we, we joked about it then and we still joke about it. He kept saying to me while I was there, like, all my friends can't believe that I'm letting you, you know, or sure. not, 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 that he was really letting me, but that like, I'm okay with right. you being with Mike, uh, for this period of time. But he said, cause he is a very kind of evolved emotional person. He said, I'm learning from you because you have a really good, wow. um, relationship with Mike and, uh, you know, I'm learning.
0: Do they get along?
1: They get along really well.
0: Oh, that's cool. They have a
1: really nice, like mutual yeah. respect of each other. In fact, uh, three weeks ago was my son's bar mitzvah and at, at his bar mitzvah, Dave, Mike and I all got on the stage and or in the Bima and all gave speeches about my son. Nice. And in each of our speeches, we referenced our blended family. Awesome. Yeah.
0: And do I, so I know. David has kids of his own. He has own. three
1: kids, yeah.
0: Do the kids all get to all get along well?
1: Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow.
1: He has two much older kids. One of them uh lives in California, so we're right. we we do not see him as much, unfortunately. But then he has a college age daughter and a son that's younger than my son. So there's four of them all together and we have all like love each other a lot.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. And you know, I, I never asked you this question. Yeah. Uh and we didn't talk about it offline, but Um, so you moved from the city to, you know, the burbs, uh, as did a lot of people in COVID. And so how did that impact, you know, the, the schedule and, uh, obviously it worked out because it happened, but was there like growing pains with that with your ex?
1: Um, I don't, I think in initially he was very unhappy, um, because Previous to this, I lived 20 minutes away from him and he has always been a fairly involved, you know, pretty involved dad and, um, obviously much easier for him to be 20 minutes away. But now, unless there's traffic, he's really only more like 45 minutes away. So it's not so much. I mean, it's doubling the amount of time, but it's not like, it's not like hours away. It's a reasonable amount of time. I think he he was initially very scared that me moving was going to mean that I was going to kind of not let him see Jack or not have opening for him to be with my son. But I, but I was really clear that it wasn't going to change anything, that the same warmth and openness that I had in our old house in Brooklyn was going to be at our new house in long Island and that he would be welcome there anytime. And in fact, since since we've been moved, uh, since we moved, he, has been with us for every major holiday, except for Thanksgiving, because um, he was quarantining. but other than that, like he was with us for Halloween. He was with us for election day. He That's was' great. With us on my son's birthday. so yeah, so I think he's I think he's good with it now.
0: and is he remarried?
1: He's not remarried.
0: Yeah, that will so you, you know it's the question is what happens when you add another yeah. mix, another personality yeah. to you know the situation. Will yeah. it, will they be as, as comfortable, you know?
1: Yeah, I guess we'll see. I mean, I, my only hope is that we lead by our example. Sure. Um, and that the kind of open, kind, supportive arrangement that we have will continue when that happens, but I guess time will tell.
0: So I'm sure there's a lot of people listening yeah. that are saying there's no fucking chance in hell <laughs> yeah. that will ever be my situation.
1: Right.
0: Uh, but for the, for the remote chance that there's a possibility. Yeah. Okay. Cause I've seen, you know, the worst case scenarios just fall in line over time. Yeah. Is there, what advice would you both professionally and personally yeah. give to those individuals that believe that's completely hopeless?
1: So I would say two things. One is the most important thing, especially when you have kids, when you're getting divorced is to always put the kids first, no matter what, no matter how hurt you are, how angry you are, the kids deserve an opportunity to have a happy, healthy life that is not tarnished by all of the the pain that the parents mm-hmm. are going through. So that has really been my intention through my whole divorce was always, you know, that my son Jack did not choose to have parents that right. were divorced. And I wanted to put his needs and wants first. And that includes having there be niceness between his parents. Um, But then secondly, I think it's really important to have compassion for your ex spouse, even when there are things that are challenging, even when there's financial differences or schedule differences or um, approach differences. We had all those things for Mm -hmm. sure along the way. But I think I try always to just like remind myself to like open my heart. What is the nicest thing I could do? Um, and I think that's important for people to try to do. And I know it's really hard because especially right. in cases where there's like infidelity or, or betrayal of some sure. kind, it's hard to have compassion. But compassion is a thing that kind of spreads organically. So if you have a little bit of compassion for the other person, you actually then start to have it for yourself sure, as well. And I think that's really important in the healing of coming after a divorce.
0: And are there, do you have any regrets or things that you would have done differently?
1: I actually don't have any regrets.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah. My well, only regret is that I should have hired you sooner
0: <laughs> <Aww>.
1: <laughs> because I, I used a mediator and um, because I felt that that was the right approach at the time. And then you came in and helped me at the end of my divorce. And I wished that I would have brought you to the table sooner. It would have been, it would have been the right thing to do.
0: That's an interesting, so uh, I, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. So what, like, what is like your advice for yeah. someone now looking, you know, interviewing advisors, yeah. interviewing lawyers, what would you tell someone that you believe is important?
1: I believe that it's important no matter what route you're going because I think mediation can be great and can really work to feel that whoever it is that you're hiring really has your back. And I felt and I knew it then at the time that my mediator a little bit um he wasn't totally impartial for various reasons. Really,
0: I never even know if I didn't. I don't yeah, I mean, he this. he
1: wasn't like egregious. It wasn't like right. really bad. But but I I felt like he 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 had a little bit. He he wasn't totally impartial. I'll just leave yeah. it at that. Okay. And um and I think it's important to feel like whoever you're working with really under like has your back in for all people involved. And when I eventually, you know, met you and had you help me, I felt really, really supported. And um, I wished that I had brought you in. Sooner. I'm really
0: glad to hear that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I would just want to go back to you yeah. and your work and your awesome efforts in helping individuals as a coach. Yeah. If we didn't talk about it earlier, if you can just explain to people who, you know, want to get in touch with you. I, you know, how can they get in touch with you? And, uh, people are probably wondering, they often ask when they first meet with somebody like a lawyer, how does it work? How much, you know, hourly rate. So how do you work? You know, what's your arrangement financially?
1: Okay. So how it works with me is that, um, I give, first of all, I give two free sessions to anybody that is interested in working with me just to see if it's a good match because the truth is, and I'm sure you feel this way too, although yeah, maybe I don't know, maybe you don't, but like in coaching, people have to want to do the work. They have to want to change. And so if they do two sessions with me and they're not feeling it, or I don't feel like they are willing to shift things, then I don't want to take their money and I don't want to waste their time. And I don't want to waste my time sure. either. So um, so I give two free sessions to anybody that might want it. Um, and then after that, I ask for a commitment of 12 weeks to get started because it takes a minute for us to get to know each other yeah. and for us to understand who you are, what's working in your life and what's not working in your life. And we then meet for 30 minutes. Most people do every week. Some people do every other week. It depends on the person. I'm sort of flexible about how often we meet and we meet. Oh, either on the phone or over zoom. Um, I'm open to doing it either way, depending on the person. Some mm-hmm. people like zoom. I think there is an intimacy to zoom. That's nice, but sometimes people just prefer the phone either way sure. it works. And, um, my rates are, um, I charge, well, they're, they might be shifting later in 2021, but for now they're, um, hundred dollars a session, hundred dollars, a 30 minute session, or 175 mm-hmm. an hour. Um, and if you book for three months, which is what I recommend. It's like a no brainer. Yeah. And if you book for three months, which is what I recommend, uh, you get a session, another session free. So you get like 13 sessions for the price of 12.
0: This is like training sessions for your brain Yeah, and your wellbeing. A hundred percent. And I think anybody who's has cracks in their, in their life right now needs to call you.
1: Oh, I thank you.
0: This is super helpful. And I am so glad that you came on here to share your wisdom. I think there are a lot of people out there that uh, will benefit immensely.
1: Thank you so much. It's really so fun to be here because um, it just feels great to talk about work in this way with somebody who works with the same groups of people that I work with. And I know we both are really, um, in the business of helping people heal. Yeah, sure. And so it's been really super fun to be here. Thank you Perfect. so much. You'll have to come back. I'd love it.
0: One last question. Yes. What's your favorite sneaker?
1: Um, you know, I'm not really a sneaker person. I have to be honest. I'm it's more okay. of like a Birkenstock girl. Okay. <laughs> I went <laughs> to
0: UVM. I, I can, I can relate to Birkenstocks. show. <laughs> awesome. All right, cool. Thank Thanks you. Thanks so much.
1: Thanks so much.